Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome to Rochester Today. It's Thursday and Gio is back. Morning, Tom. <laughs> morning. Morning, Andrew. Um, I never thought that you would have taken the Vikings loss so personally that you had to take a personal day from the show, but I'm not, I'm glad you're back with us. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> well, I, I did, well, they got that far, had a good season. Yeah. They, Cousins is coming back and maybe Jefferson too, huh? Yeah. And the, well, you know, I hate to be not negative, but if they were to take on San Francisco this week, they were going to get trounced. Mm -hmm. So, sure. yeah. It was disappointing, but eh. Uh, well, you wonder if uh, uh, Brady and you know Rogers will be coming back. Did yeah, they, those are the two big question marks. Yeah. I, I imagine Rogers will, but Brady, I'm not so sure. He uh, he he just did not look very happy when he was playing this year. Uh huh. He's what 45 years old too. Yeah, and I think I think Rogers is about 39 or 40. Yeah, he's got maybe a couple more years to get pounded in the ground. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what's in the mailbag, Tom? From KLS, uh, she sent. Uh, she was talking about uh, uh, churches have lost uh, uh, their congregation numbers since COVID and, and during COVID, and it says uh, COVID is responsible for the decline in in church membership. And KLS said it wasn't COVID that caused the decline. It was the churches bowing to the mandates. They shut their doors. They forgot their faith. Their cowardice and displays were in government. Their favoritism is for government, not God. Their holy trinity is government, Waltz, and Fauci. And that's why they're paying for it. And then she recalled that you and I had a discussion of a professor uh, that was suspended for showing uh, Mohammed. Uh, pictures, uh, paintings in her class. <clears throat> She's suing Hamlin University for defamation uh, of character, uh, calling her uh, uh, Islamophobic. And, uh, and then she remembered we were wondering about Hamlin's origin. And she uh, did some research. Hamlin was started by a Methodist but that was then. What religious colleges are today varies. And that uh, Hamlin started uh, in Red Wing in 1854 before the Civil War. And then from 1880 to 1914 moved to St. Paul. And so it's a little bit of history and commentary from KLS. Well, an update on that story beyond what uh, our listener relayed, that the lawsuit obviously making the news this week, but um, over the weekend, uh, the CARE group, the, what is it, the coalition, uh, it's a, it's an Islamic advocacy group, let's put it that way. The local chapter in the Twin Cities blasted Hamlin, not blasted Hamlin University, was highly supportive of, of Hamlin University's dismissal of this adjunct professor and depicted the professor's activities as Islamophobic by displaying the images of Muhammad. 
But the National Care Organization kicked out a statement either Friday or Saturday saying it had looked into this and found no evidence of Islamophobia or bigotry by uh, by the professor's actions. And then went into a very balanced view of the disagreements within the Islamic faith over the depictions of Muhammad and the um, educational facets of all this and open discussions. And it was, and then next thing you know, Hamlin University, the president of Hamlin University, kicked out a statement on Monday or Tuesday of this week saying that they had misapplied the term Islamophobic when they described the actions of this professor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of interesting twists and turns to this whole story over the since the time we first discussed it. There, there certainly are, and, and your update, and I'd mentioned that on our last show, that this Islamic group supported the professor, said that she handled it uh, with uh, objectivity and, and sensitivity and pre-warned the students so they didn't have to see it if it offended them. And uh, I called it a ray of hope and uh, that the Islamic community could have people in it. And uh, I'd complimented you that uh, you predicted that Muslims coming to America, some would moderate and and, and do that. And uh, But yeah, she's suing for defamation of character and uh, she's got a nationally famous law firm doing it. So yeah, it's a very interesting story. She might have a case too. I don't think she has a case on getting her job back because she was contracted annually to the school as a, what is it, adjunct is the position, right, Tom, the proper word? That's right, adjunct. Uh, not full-time staff, but part-time, yeah. So you could be cut at any time, in other words. You don't have any tenure rights or anything like that. That's right. Well, that could happen. I predict they'll uh, give her job back to her. Okay. But, but I won't doubt it. Because, as you just mentioned, the administration backed off a little bit about how they did it. <laughs> yeah, publicly backed off a little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, Over, oversensitive. Uh, continuing the mailbag, Jerry... It seems strange to me, Tom, that Biden or Obama's lawyers are searching for and turning in Biden classified documents. The lawyers, do they have security clearance high enough to do this? It should be the FBI and DOJ doing it like they did with Trump. Uh, um, Some say this is Obama's doing, trying to sabotage Biden for 2024. There's more going on on this uh, than meets the eye. And related to that, Rose said, Yeah, Uh, in case you're not watching and listening closely to Biden having classified documents carelessly stored, I think we're watching the left, the media, and even Democrats trying to kill one of their own. Uh, Do you see the timing and reporting on this as a setup by the left to get rid of Biden? So uh, more speculation, Andy. And I'm sure more discussion of that very topic later on in the show. Anything else in the mailbag? No, that's okay. it. All right, we'll take our break. We will return. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. Thursday morning, Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, this is Robin Gwaltney. Hey, with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom's here. And uh, what do you have in state news, Tom? 
T.J. Leverance uh, from the KROC News website. Police arrest Rochester man with hundreds of fentanyl pills. And uh, I'm not going to give the uh, perpetrator's name, but Rochester police recovered hundreds of pills from a man during a warrant arrest at Walmart North uh, last Monday. And police captain Casey Moylanan, Moylanan said officers were called to the center before 9 p.m. because of a man trespassing. They found him and they had a, a warrant for him and arrested him. And uh, and he had a baggie of 239 blue M30 pills that tested positive. And, and I think that is so frightening that even in Rochester, with our reputation isolated and pure, you have someone like this uh, doing that. And I don't know why they don't arrest them and make it more serious than just possession and, 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 and arrest some, someone, Andy, for... Uh, for carrying lethal substances or substances that can kill people. Uh, I don't know why they don't charge them with uh, something like that. Uh, It's a good question, Tom, and I don't have an answer to it, but uh, it's becoming more and more common to find this type of um, quantity of drugs in these busts. This 10 years ago, what about a state headline? Somebody caught with this much fentanyl. And now it's almost routine to have this sort of thing happening. And just think of the circumstances, Tom. This person, now allegedly, right? He's charged, not convicted, uh, walking around in public, holding on to hundreds of potentially lethal doses of narcotic in his possession in a baggie while he's out shopping. (laughs) And while you're out shopping, you create enough disruption while you're shopping that police get called because (laughs) they want you trespassed off the property. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you you can't even make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's becoming commonplace. It's strange times we live in. Yes. This from the Blaze, a national news uh, network. <clears throat> Excuse me. Governor Walz's appointee will require Minnesota educators to affirm students' gender dysphoria, turn kids into agents of social change. Um, so the politicization continues. Uh, the article says Minnesota is going to require all educators to be hired and who teach to embrace contemporary leftist theories about sex and race and flick them on the students. And uh, the licenses will be conferred to those individuals willing to, uh, as the article uh, reporter says, willing to disrupt normalcy. That's what they have to do. They use that phrase, disrupt normalcy, affirm minors' gender, uh, eject Eurocentrism. Eurocentrism, I guess, is having respect for or following the philosophies of our of of, of Europe. Uh, Americans initially were Euro Americans. Accept quote the knowledge that uh, racially informed teaching must occur, and embrace other ideological uh, ideas in favor of the radical left. And the article, and uh, this new requirement is K through 12 and charter school teachers, um, and will impact children nationwide. 
and the licensing board is called the Professional Educators Licensing and Standards Board, and its 11 members have all been appointed by Governor Waltz. Yep, so in order to obtain a license to teach within the state of Minnesota, you will have to sign off on all of the things that you just mentioned. And I I think this will result in a legal challenge, but it hasn't surfaced yet because the rule hasn't been officially adopted yet. It's getting very close to the point where it will be officially mm-hmm. adopted. And I don't see anything stopping it from being officially adopted other than a legal fight. So hang on to your, uh, hang on to your seats. Sure. And, and most teachers are sensible, we've said, in Minnesota. Uh, you wonder how they feel being forced to teach things that they might find offensive and not agree with. And unable to do, I mean, if, if you're an institution that requires a licensed teacher, and that could be a private school, by the way. Sure, charter schools to private schools. Yeah, yeah, so this doesn't just apply to the public school systems. This applies <clears throat> to any position that requires a licensed teacher. And going down the line, you want to, there are plans in the works to make daycare providers, child care centers, because they're being more or less converted into pre-K education centers, uh, have licensed teaching, teacher licensure requirements of some sort. Whether or not that will actually happen is still open, but there's a significant push to have that happen. They would be fall under these sort of requirements as well. Oh, my goodness. So this is a far, far-reaching thing, and that's why I, I, I don't think it's received as much attention as it should. Yeah, wow. Well, uh, people are fighting it. Uh, Social engineering of our kids, the topic, uh, a panel discussion took place in in Bloomington on Tuesday. uh, And uh, there's a group called Residents for a Better Bloomington. RFABB is the group. They held a discussion to what can we do to stop the social engineering of our children uh, in the Bloomington schools and a grassroots group is working on that. They said test scores are declining, spending increases, and education is being corrupted uh, and in decline. And parents have to reclaim their vital role as participants in their children's education, said the leader of the group. And we're going to educate parents and grandparents and try to uh, control the education of their children because parents have been marginalized by teachers unions and administrators and they're going to try to influence local school boards and uh, and affect elections so uh yeah there's a, a ideological war going on in our schools yeah in, in the last election did not resolve it that's for sure it's an ongoing situation speaking of education governor walls this week rolling out an unprecedented funding proposal uh, for schools and programs related to children. Uh, we have somewhere around an $18 billion budget surplus for the state legislature to deal with. About $12 billion of that amount um, is already in the bank, the rest projected. And uh, the governor is pushing for using $12 billion of that $18 billion on education and child initiatives, which include a huge expansion of child care tax credits, 
um, refundable tax credits addressed to low-income house households with children. And um, the what he this is the governor's description of it: the largest increase in education funding in the history of the state of Minnesota. Mm. A total of I, I can't remember the exact billions of dollars involved, but a four percent increase in education funding for the budget period that starts this summer, so the next two years, followed by 2% the following year. And then after that, the governor wants education, this would be the basic funding formula, indexed to inflation for automatic increases in the years after that, which has long been pushed by public school administrators. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, with the situation in the state legislature. I don't know if his proposals will get through the state legislature intact, but I would suspect they will get through largely intact. That has been the tradition in the state of Minnesota. The governor pro proposes a framework of a budget and bits and pieces of it are rearranged by lawmakers before it gets back to the governor. But usually it largely follows the basic framework as proposed by the governor, especially when... <coughs> The legislature is aligned with the same political party as the governor. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be, uh, I, I don't know, it looks like this likely will happen. And uh, what impact that will have to throw that much money at the, uh, the public education arena when um, there's a considerable push to return some of this money to taxpayers in the form of tax relief. And then also considerable pressure to spend this money on other areas but uh, it's it's an incredible amount of money and well i guess more specifically a cr tremendous increase in the size of the state government in the state of minnesota mm -hmm. without returning it, it seems as if whatever whatever proposal comes forward it does not appear a large percentage of this surplus will be returned in the form of tax release. I think that'll be kind of a afterthought when they get around to it. Just my humble opinion. And the, the numbers uh, that separate Republican lawmakers from uh, Democrat lawmakers are not that great. And so if Democrats fall away from some of these uh, dictates, uh, if, uh, that could cause trouble for the governor. It could, especially in the state Senate where I think he the Democrats only have a one-vote majority in the state Senate. Yeah. And what, I, I can't remember in the state House, but it's larger than that in the House. But what bothers me is none of this, these, none of the funding seems to be going to academic rigor, academic standards, and uh, teaching students to be disciplined and to behave. Uh, it's always, it's all, all this woke stuff. Uh, so what kind of an education are they getting beyond this ideology uh, uh, to, to make them fit to go on in the world and be functional. Another thing, uh, aspect of this that does bother some to me if I go back to the previous legislative session and what I consider a grave mistake made by the Republicans in overestimating their strength among the voters, they had in place a deal which would have led to historic tax relief for the state of Minnesota. They wouldn't have gotten everything they wanted, 
but we still would have gotten um, major tax provision changes for the state of Minnesota benefiting businesses, property owners, and others. And uh, by refusing to compromise and basically betting it all on last November's election and the idea that they would have the majority and be able to dictate the terms, they kind of walk, you know, yeah. <laughs> they lost their ability to have influence in this debate. And it's, uh, and I think we as taxpayers in the state of Minnesota will be paying for this for a long, long time. Okay. <laughs> we have to take a break for news. So we'll do that in return. More of Tom Ostrom. I'm, I'm, I'm Andy Brownell. And it's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal. Thursday. Hey. Lots to talk about, Tom. What do you want to start with? Well, House Republicans are on television a lot uh, going to make Democrats squirm with their control of the House, saying the things they're going to do, the things they're going to investigate. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> And uh, uh, Britt Hume on Fox News said that these Republicans should be quiet about it and quit saying all these things, but do them and then get the publicity when they're doing these things. All they're doing is giving the Democrats a heads up for their counterplays and their use, their use of uh, their control, you know, of, of, uh, of the Senate and, and uh, the DOJ and FBI. To, to head these things off. So he said, quit talking about it. And uh, the Republicans got back at, uh, at Hume and said, this is the only way we can educate the people about what the issues are because the media is not doing it. And uh, the censorship with social media doesn't get the information out. So so we'll have to do this, uh, whatever uh, Britt Hume thinks. Well, Britt Hume seems a little bit naive, too, in the machinations of Washington, D.C. That that seems a bit surprising to me that it's not like this is a secret. <laughs> the Republicans were campaigning all last fall on, hey, if we get control, we're going to have hearings on this stuff. We're going to look into this, 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 and this. <laughs> so it's <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. Why not talk about it? That's right. It's not like you're going to surprise anybody in Washington, D.C. that, oh, hey, we're going to gavel this meeting to order. Guess what? Today's agenda is we're going to look into Hunter Brayden. Oh, right. I'm so so shocked. <laughs> That's right. And uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, said we are going to have investigative panels for COVID, for the weaponization of the FBI uh, and, and the DOJ. And, and we're going to bring people to subpoena to, to depose them and to see what's going on and, and what violations of, of procedure uh, will occur and use of taxpayer funds for all these things. And yeah. uh, Representative Jordan of Ohio, he's a, he's a former wrestling coach, and, and uh, uh, he doesn't come from an academic or legal background. But he's extraordinarily articulate and a great debater and the most effective interrogator on these committees. And Nadler and others, the Democrats tried to shut him down when he starts interrogating people. Well, now he's going to be the head of his own committee. Uh, they wanted him to be speaker, some Republicans. He said, no, I want to share these subcommittees. Uh, I'm going to look into the politicization of, of the FBI and I'm going to do other things on other committees. 
there's more damaging news on the what was originally called Twitter Gate, and now it's Facebook Gate as well. Uh, more and more emails are pouring out as a result of that investigation the, uh, tied to the lawsuit filed by the state of Missouri. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember the other state, but there's two states that are suing over this, and that's given them access to probably millions of email or digital electronic messaging between the Biden administration and these tech giants. And um, uh, a lot of them were Twitter and a lot of those supplied by Elon Musk himself. But these are back to the lawsuit emails that have been obtained through discovery. And they, they show discussions between Biden administration officials and Facebook officials discussing how they are going to quash even messages that were, I think, quote unquote, largely factual because they disputed the Biden administration's mm -hmm. messaging concerning the COVID vaccine and other COVID related policies. And <laughs> they, it wasn't even misinformation. It was just opposing information. Sure. And and that's how clearly drawn the lines became in this. And some of these emails seem to portray the Biden administration threatening Facebook with, well, you better do what you said you're going to do. Look at this other outfit. I think it was Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, if I remember correctly. Look what they've already done. The least you could do is what they're doing. And sure. it, it's it's really pretty <clears throat> damning evidence. Well, the Democrats like coercion and they like censorship. And you're right, they call misinformation anything they disagree with. And McCarthy and Jordan are saying we're going to pass bills to uh, for about our uh, open southern borders, uh, energy policies, uh, woke education in school, COVID. Uh, and, and we're going to look at the IRS. We're going to look at uh, China. We're going to look at a lot of things. They also say they're going to look at abortion. I wouldn't tamper with that. That cost them in the election. They already have a deal where states can outlaw abortion, but other states can maintain it and people can get their abortions by travel. But uh, anyway, quite a lot on the GOP plate. And uh, one thing that's kind of snuck through, we brought it up, I think, last week when we talked, the deal between McCarthy, the House Speaker, and the Freedom Caucus that allowed his vote to take place successfully to become House Speaker included the introduction of the legislation regarding the fair tax. And it's not getting a lot of discussion. I, I'll dang it all. I wish it would because if anything good came of this, I think it would be a great national debate over this. You have people within the Republican Party who are saying, don't, don't, don't touch it. Push that off to the side. You don't want to bring that up. That'll just be embarrassing, and it'll be used against us in the next election. Da -da -da, it's far too complex for people to discuss, and it'll be used as a weapon against us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is—I mean, this is an opportunity to actually do something really significant. And and this fair tax proposal is so is often easily dismissed by those who hold the reins of power because it would greatly limit their reins of power. Uh, 
by stripping the authority of granting favors through tax code provisions mm-hmm. to their buddies within the circles of our government. Of mm-hmm. course they don't want it discussed. And no. part of the thing they always bring up is, well, it's so, it's so complex, the complexities of this. Well, you can talk about the IRS code. You want to talk about complexity. This A fair tax is as simple as it can get. You That's can discuss right. what level of taxation all you want, but the provisions of how it works are pretty darn simple. That's right. But a lot of interest groups don't want uh, the IRS or the tax system abolished. Uh, politicians get their power from it. Absolutely. And, and uh, tax attorneys wouldn't want to see it go. The IRS wouldn't want to lose their power. So a lot of special interests will be fighting the fair tax. And uh, our, our our listener and friend Harold is the expert on that. You've talked with him about it many times. So um I think interest groups will flood the Congress with money and really try to stop it from happening. But you're right. If it happened, it would be clean. It would be effective. It would simplify people's lives and and uh, and, and probably economically be uh, more more uh, functional and better for the nation. And you read the news reports about the limited news reports about this topic and what's happening in the House. And it's. House Republicans vote to abolish the IRS. They don't add on and replace it with a system that would not require an IRS in order to administer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, the situation with the classified documents and the current president does not seem to be going away. Uh, In fact, it continues to expand. They continue to find additional documents. I think the latest batch was discovered in a box in the garage next to Joe Biden's fancy Corvette. He's had a really nice Corvette, by the way. It's been on Jay Leno's show, which I watch, and it's a really nice vet. Um, <laughs> I this is an absolutely no-win situation for the Democrats, no matter which way they try to address it. There, there's no out on this one. I mean. Continually, you you see the comparisons between Trump's case and his case, and there are differences. But the the main component is still unsecured classified documents in the hands of somebody who was not supposed to have them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And Hunter evidently was had access to the garage that had these things. The media and the Democrats are doing their best to say it's a non-issue and Trump's situation is more serious than Biden's, but they're having a hard time making that case. (laughs) They are, especially when Trump's documents were largely in a locked vault, more or less, and these were in a box in a garage. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton's were in a server that had apparently been hacked, likely by the Chinese. It's if if the if the issue is the security of these classified documents, um, yeah, the, it, there's no way of coming out smelling like a rose for the president. And he's he's probably wisely keeping his mouth shut about this. Yeah, he's saying he doesn't know anything and uh, all about it, or didn't know what they were. Or, but that carelessness makes him look even worse. And the, as vice president, he has no authority to declassify documents. The president does. Uh, uh, Obama did and, and, and Trump did. But uh, it goes on. And well, I think what it 
highlights too is that which has always been the case those who hold power at any given time can dictate or greatly influence the discussion of a very a, a topic and whether or not this is a high crime or a, just a misunderstanding yeah and that double standard is uh, on full display right now in washington dc yeah and i acknowledge there are differences in the way trump was handling it versus how biden is handling it but um was it karen or was it rose who brought up the question of having the attorneys doing the search for the documents rather than having the fbi do the search or somebody from the justice department with a security um clearance doing the search that's a valid very valid question that's right and the lawyers could be vulnerable because they don't have security clearances uh, but it's just an outrage of, of the carelessness of it and what leaks did the chinese benefit from with all this going on we do probably need to take a break tom so we'll do that and come right back more of rochester today in just a moment on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I never write reviews, but Navaj is so amazing, I have... Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We are back with more Rochester Today, Thursday morning. A few minutes left in the program, Tom. What's, on, what's the next on your topic list? Well, I'm putting Biden in international affairs or foreign affairs on some of this uh, business, but uh, Jim Hoft, Gateway Pundit, had an article, a quid pro Joe. Uh, Pennsylvania University had an outlet in Washington, D.C., and uh, Penn raked in $54 million in Chinese money when it launched the Biden Center at their universities, university and old Joe's cut allegedly was about a million dollars. And and Hunter Biden has said that the money that came to him from the Ukraine and from China and other places that, that his dad got a 10% cut. Joe insists he was never part of any knowledge of Hunter's business, but classified documents found in a closet at Penn, Penn Biden Center they call it the Biden Center at Penn, Penn State University in Washington, linked to Joe Biden before the 2022 election. And Biden insists that he taught classes there as a professor. Well, he didn't. And the Department of Justice uh, uh, is going to have to get involved in this. And the Republican National Committee said Biden has lied about so many things about this, not knowing about Hunter's business connections and uh, he was never a, an active professor at Penn State. and But foreign contributions to Penn tripled after the Biden Center was set up on campus, uh, millions of dollars, anonymous donations in some cases. And, uh, and then Secretary of State Tony Blinken was the managing director of the Penn Biden Center and he advised American universities how to get million-dollar donations from China. And Tony Blinken is now Biden's Secretary of State. And the, okay. I was not aware of it. I, I was aware about Penn getting all of that money. But and I just the entire topic of the Chinese government 
funding of public universities. I don't know. Is Penn public, though? Uh, not sure. I think so. Penn State. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. But there are there are other public universities in the country that have received quite a bit of funding from the Chinese communist government. And I mean, other foreign entities as well, but that one particularly worrisome. Well, but we can't crack the China security wall, but they're doing lots of things here. And uh, this center was set up the same year that Biden's son Hunter was creating a joint venture with Chinese officials in a company that was designed to give natural gas deals within the United States that would benefit China. Uh, The Biden family drew scrutiny and both of Joe Biden's brothers are implicated in some of these deals and forgivable loans and uh, loans with no interest. And and, and Hunter took a trip uh, on Air Force Two and his dad was vice president uh, and went to China, went to the Ukraine, but Joe says he knew nothing about these things. And uh, uh, it's just pathetic. Uh, well, what what do you call it? That uh, the payoffs. Uh, uh, the, 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 these are these are crimes. Some of these some of these things. I think. Well, okay. I was to say alleged. I do yeah. know that the the one deal, and I believe it is the one you're talking about with the natural gas situation. Um, it never did materialize, but while it was being assembled and negotiated, the Obama administration was waving red flags. And I think it was the Justice Department saying, yeah, <laughs> this this probably isn't a good deal. This shouldn't be happening because of this, that, and the next thing. Obviously, uh, some potential conflicts of interest within this. And apparently uh, it's still got the okay to proceed, although for different reasons it fell apart. Yeah. Well, when Hillary was Secretary of State, she was involved in sales of of uranium uh, to Russia. So they always say Trump colluded with foreign countries. Uh, I don't think he did, but he got impeached for having a phone call to the Ukraine to find out about the corruption that's going on there. And that's why uh, some people who overheard that phone call thought they could impeach him for that. But uh, the Democrats, they just wonder what they're thinking. And uh, I'm aghast at what they've gotten away with. Well, and also the larger issue, and this applies to Trump as well, um, the economic machine that's created for family members of high public officials. That includes U.S. senators. It can include U.S. House members, although to a lesser scale because their political influence is not near as high as a high-level administration official or a U.S. senator. But the pathway to success that Hunter was granted because of his father's name is... Well, it should be upsetting to most people. And and the use of the Trump name while he was in the White House by his family members for business deals is unbecoming as well, but it's nothing new either. I mean, it's since the beginning of this country that has been something that's happened that uh, people in power are able to peddle their influence on behalf of family members. And speaking of that, uh, members of Congress 
like uh, former uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi, they had benefits from insider trading yeah. because of congressional hearings. And uh, that should certainly be looked into uh, because, uh, uh, you know, what Martha Stewart got sent to prison for insider knowledge of taxes uh, that the television uh, host and uh, Hillary is up to her neck, not Hillary, but Pelosi was up to her neck and those things. So uh, that's that's corruption to me. We have to run, Tom. Mm, okay. We have a lot to talk about yet, so we'll have to continue this next week. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Andrew, before you go, your 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 shirt is so uh, oh becoming God. to you. It's green now. I don't know if you're with the immigration <laughs> and customs people or. <laughs> or uh, it's kind uh, of a yeah you're right it's kind of almost or what's going on today kind of a military green isn't it yeah ah. I'm part of the swamp Tom I'm policing you <laughs> all right with that we'll end the show I'll talk to you next week Tom Ostrom I'm Andy Brownell Rochester today on News Time 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM Rochester's radio home of Gopher Sports News Talk